This has been kind of a heavy week around the world. Uh, today, you all know this is September 11th, and uh, I, I am guessing that if you were over six years old when that happened, you know exactly where you were standing when you heard the news of what happened in New York. Uh, Darla and I were missionaries in the Philippines, and I I, we didn't even know it in, until about 14 hours after it happened because of the time change. We were in bed uh, or about to go to bed when it happened, and we didn't have a TV. And uh, I didn't know until I walked into my office, and I saw a, a newspaper sitting on the desk, and I just stopped as I normally do. I just kind of stopped to, to look at the news and saw this big picture of the towers falling. And... Uh, our lives changed 14 hours after everyone else knew it, but it's rocked the world, hasn't it? And so I hope that you're praying for those who lost loved ones. Uh, they're still bearing the pain, and uh, the United States is still praying for them. I hope that we'll do that today. I invite you to turn with me to Second Kings in the series called Preparing for the God-Sized Challenges, we've been focusing on when God invites us to do something that is absolutely impossible by human standards. Elijah, we saw, Elijah calling down fire from heaven to consume a sacrifice that had been saturated with water, that was impossible. We saw the story of Elijah and the widow who had only a little flour and a little oil and Elijah asked her for that little something. Elijah and his pesky humanity, he was exhausted and desperate for the presence and the peace of God and then Last week we talked about Elisha who had a whole Elisha and the widow who had a whole lot of nothing that's all she had. In this story that we're going to look at today we we find a very proud man his name was Naaman the general. He was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. Now, as commander, he would have had thousands of soldiers underneath of him. He would have had dozens of servants and cooks and nurses and assistants and, and, and probably even slaves. He had wealth, and because of that wealth, he had friends, and because of those friends, he had power and authority he had a grand future ahead of him. He would have had the fanciest ribbons. He would have had the brightest medals, the most polished, shiny armor ever. In fact, the king himself would have highly regarded his leadership because of all of the victories that he had provided the king. There was no one more important and as powerful as Naaman outside of the king. 
And in this story, that same man, the man who had power and the man who had riches and the man who had ribbons was also desperate. Under all of those ribbons, under all of the medals and under all of the polished armor hid a hideous disease called leprosy. Leprosy was a horrible disease that attacked the body. Often it caused brown, reddish, large ulcers on the face, on the arms, hands, and the thighs. And sometimes these ulcers would begin to restrict the blood flow of the extremities and slowly fingers and toes would begin to fall off. Leprosy was also very difficult emotionally, socially, and spiritually. Jewish law at that time required anyone who had leprosy to call out unclean, unclean anytime he or she walked in public so that no one came close to the unclean one. If you had leprosy and you were a Jew, you were not allowed to go to the temple to worship at all. They were to remain outside. Now, this man was not a Jew. He didn't even live in Israel, but nonetheless, there was a serious emotional and social stigma just having the disease. And people on the outside saw Naaman as a great man. He had it all together. He had wealth. He had houses. He had women. He had servants. He had everything that he needed. But he knew that hidden away was a drastic need for a miracle. Now let me ask you a question. Does God just drop gifts, drop miracles into our laps? Sometimes. But very rarely does he just give it to us without us participating Sometimes he gives us unmerited gifts, gifts that we do not deserve. Salvation is one of them. But most of the time, they are in response to God inviting us to be involved in the needed response. God wants us involved. Just look at the last four stories that we've been studying how have we learned how God invites us to participate? Well, with Elijah and the fire falling on the sacrifice, there will be times that God lets us stand alone and make a public choice. With the story of Elijah and the widow who put God first, we find that God wants to see us give our first and our best before he begins the process of giving us a gift. With the story of Elijah and his pesky humanity, we see that God loves us enough that he wants us, wants to prepare us physically and spiritually for the challenges ahead. And then last week, we saw the story of Elisha and the woman who had a whole lot of nothing 
We saw how God wants us to confess our emptiness and make public our need for him. So our question this morning is, how do I prepare for that which requires a miracle? I'd like to invite you to turn with me to the story in 2 Kings chapter 5, 1 through 14. We don't have it on the screen, so you're going to need to either have it memorized or I will read it to you. 2 Kings. Did I say five? Thank you for reminding this old man. Hear the word of the Lord. There it is. Huh. <laughs> now, Naaman was a commander of the army of the king uh, of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram, he replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him a message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the, have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. And not Abana. And Farper, the rivers of Damascus, better they than the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he calls you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young man. This, my friends, is the word of the Lord.
The question that we have in front of us is how do I prepare for that which requires a miracle? And I think this story tells us that the first thing that we need to do is to confess our need. Now, for most of us, especially men, this is very difficult, isn't it? We don't like to talk about our problems. Why do you think so many people don't want to go to a doctor? It's because they don't want to confess, I'm sick, I'm, I'm ill, I'm not Superman. It shows our weakness. I jokingly tell people that my philosophy of, of, of mechanical work if I hear a noise in the engine of my vehicle, I just ignore it until it goes away. <laughs> Don't ask me to work on your car. I would be horrible at it. But for Naaman, he didn't have much of a he didn't have much of a choice, did he? He was far more realistic. He was beyond the denial stage, his ribbons and his armor couldn't hide the sores anymore. His problems were so bad that he couldn't escape it. It was probably changing his appearance and now it was threatening his career. Probably now everyone knew that their great commander had a serious problem and realizing his predicament, Naaman speaks openly about his disease. And he begins to confess that he needed help from somebody. Have you confessed your need for help? Can I just encourage you? That is the very first place that God needs to bring us. Perhaps God has someone who has your answer. And perhaps they don't even know that you need help yet, if you'll just confess. Perhaps God is waiting for you just to say, I need help in this area. The second thing I see in the story is be willing to step out of your comfort zone. He took advice from a female. Now, please stand in the sandals of the culture of that day. A great soldier general leader of armies during this day did not listen to females and especially female children. Soldiers from Aram had kidnapped and taken slaves from Israel and a little girl had become a slave to the commander's wife. And the little girl had faith in the one true God. Verse 3, it says, she says, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. This truly was an enormous step for a male leader to, to take in this ancient world Listening to a woman and a child, it would have been almost impossible to even think of. And he responds to her advice by taking a very huge step. He requests permission from his king to leave his service for a while and leave his country to go get help. He stepped out 
acted on her encouragement. He didn't give up. He was willing to take his problem to the highest authority in his land, his king, and he pulled out all of the stops and didn't waste any time. Naaman was willing to do something about the problem, and we have to be willing to take a step out of our comfort zone as well. Some of us are really good at diagnosing the problem and then not going any further. We're really good at identifying and defining and analyzing and talking about the problem, but not going any further to deal with the answer. What if Naaman did the same thing? What if Naaman said, oh, look, I believe I have leprosy because my two fingers fell off. And then he didn't do anything about it. Guess what? The third finger will be falling off soon. I wonder if anyone agrees that I also have a problem. He didn't just stop there. He didn't say, perhaps, I can just cover up my problem with a glove. No. Thankfully, Naaman realized that he had a need, and he acted on it, and he stepped out, and he began to do something proactively. What would it look like to you if you began to be proactive about finding an answer to your challenge? What would it look like to confess your need and then step out to confess it, to find that need? Find somebody who could help you in your marriage, help you with your addiction, help you with the financial challenges. That's what the church is all about. For whatever challenge you have, I can promise you, almost always there's someone else in the church who has gone through it before. Or who has the answer? I encourage you to go seek out somebody who will mentor you, disciple you, help you in those challenges. The third thing I see here is, here is that we need to be willing to make a sacrifice. Even though Naaman had power, even though Naaman had position and money and authority, he recognized that he was going to have to make a sacrifice to bring about a miracle. Now, Naaman was wealthy, so he thought that he needed to, to bring money to the table. So he brought 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 changes of clothing to bring to the prophet. He gathered up all of his entourage. He took out on a long journey by faith that something good was going to be waiting for him at the other side. Listen, don't expect God just to drop a miracle in your lap if you are not willing to sacrifice. If you need a financial answer, be willing to sacrifice and discipline yourself. Perhaps God is just waiting for you to begin living on a budget. If you need a miracle in your marriage relationship, be willing to put yourself last and your spouse first. If you need a physical answer, you have to go through you may have to go through some pain and confession to your doctor 
before he or she can help you. You have to step out. Remember, the little boy who, sac who, who sacrificed his five loaves and two fishes for Jesus to feed everyone. Remember that Jesus didn't need his bread. Jesus didn't need his fish. But he wanted the little boy to sacrifice. Peter had to throw his net over before Jesus produced that amazing catch. Jesus didn't need him to do that. He wanted Peter to step out in faith. He wanted a sacrifice. Naaman was willing to sacrifice. Now comes the fun part of the story. Have you noticed that even though it seems that you are giving God what you think is the best, he asks you to do something that you never thought of. That's what is happening here with Naaman. Naaman thought all he needed to do was bring a whole bunch of money, a bunch of gold, a bunch of silver, and a bunch of clothing. And God just laughed. The next thing we see is be ready to let God identify the real issue. Well, Naaman met up with the servant of Elisha, and the way for him to be healed was way different than he ever imagined. He probably wanted pomp and circumstance played. Maybe he thought a little fairy dust. Maybe he was hoping for the prophet to wave his hands and clap and sing, or whatever it was. Something easy, something that looked amazing. Certainly something that would fit his high position, but that is not what he got, was it? Elisha told him that he needed to go to the Jordan and wash himself. Now, again, put yourself in the shoes of this great leader. Naaman, being a man of means, being a man of authority, knew that the waters of Damascus in Syria, which is north of Israel, were highly extolled by their inhabitants for the purity and coldness of this wonderful clear water that came out of the mountains. Everybody knew that the rivers in Damascus, the rivers in his own country, were the best, the cleanest, the clearest, right? But what did this prophet want him to do? To go to a foreign country that he kind of looked his, down his nose at in Israel and go to the Jordan River. Now, nothing was wrong with the Jordan River except it was more muddy than his rivers and it wasn't in his country. It was in the enemy country. And then he wasn't just to dip his toe in the water. What was he to do? He was to get in the water and get out. And 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 then get in the water and out a seventh time. And the scripture said, when Naaman heard this, he got angry. 
But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that you would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure my body of leprosy. Verse 12. God had identified in Naaman that it wasn't just a physical issue that needed to be healed. It was a spiritual issue. God knew that Naaman needed a lesson in humility. God was asking him, God was asking him to make a sacrifice greater than money. God was calling him to become a living sacrifice. Have you noticed that when you are praying about needing God's help on a physical or financial or relationship issue, he often redirects you by identifying the spiritual issue behind it. And he says, let's deal with that one first. Thankfully, thankfully, Naaman listened to his advisors. And he listened to God and finally obeyed and he dipped seven times and was healed. The ending to this story is often missed. The greatest miracle in the story is not what Naaman had hoped for. In fact, it hadn't even crossed his mind. Naaman was hoping for pure skin, but what he got instead was what God had planned for, and that was a pure heart. When he humbled himself and bathed in the dirty waters of the Jordan, and he came up clean, the scripture says in verse 15, he said, now I know that there is no God in all of the world except in Israel. The last thing that I see is expect God's outcome, not your own. God has something planned for you that you have not even yet dreamed about. He has identified a glorious freedom. He's identified your future. He is planning on your forgiveness that, even, that isn't even part of your understanding yet. And some of you are so focused on the issue at hand that you've not yet, yet asked the question, Lord, what is it that you really want to do in my life? Would you please stand? Perhaps you have heard of the name Tony Campolo. Tony was a professor at a 
Christian college in Chicago for many decades, great writer, speaker. He tells the story about being in church, in a church in Oregon, where he was asked to pray for a man who had cancer. Campolo prayed boldly for the man's healing. That next week, he got a telephone call from the man's wife. She said, you prayed for my husband. He had cancer. And Campolo, Campolo thought when he had heard her use the past tense verb that his cancer had been eradicated and healed, but before he could think much about it, she, she said, and he died. Campolo felt terrible, but she continued, don't feel bad. When he came to that church that Sunday, he was filled with anger. He knew he was going to be dead in a short period of time, and he hated God. He was 58 years old, and he wanted to see his children and grandchildren grow up. He was angry that this all-powerful God didn't take away his sickness and heal him. He would lie in bed and curse God. The more his anger grew towards God, the more miserable he was to everybody around him. It was an awful thing to be in his presence, she said. But the lady told Dr. Campolo, after you prayed for him, a peace came over him and a joy had come into him. Tony, the last three days have been the best days of our lives. We've sung, we've laughed, we've read scripture, we prayed. Oh, they have been wonderful days, she said. And I called to thank you for laying your hands on him and praying for healing. And then she said, something incredibly profound. She said, he wasn't cured, but he was healed. I'm not sure of the challenge that you have ahead of you. I can be confident to say that almost every single one of us has that one thing in front of us. It could be physical. It could be a relationship could be a financial challenge. And I can tell you that we have, if you're a good human, which I'm pretty confident you are, you have probably got the answer all scheduled out for God. God, if you'll do this, this, and then this, and then you'll bring this component and then talk to this person, it'll be done. We're really good at scheduling and budgeting things for God. But what if... What if God has something bigger, better, and finer planned out for you? What would it be like if we said, Lord, I confess to you that I desperately need you. I desperately need you to come in and do something in my life. Bring people into my life to bring your wisdom bring the right people, the right resources, and Father, 
I invite you to do something even totally different than what I think I need. But I need you to take over completely who I am, what I think I am to become. This whole challenge is yours, Father. I give it to you. And as we sing this song, I just invite you, if you, if you have something in front of you, this is just a wonderful time just to come down to the altar and say, Lord, it's yours. I, I take my hands off of it. I'm tired of scheduling and budgeting for you. I give it all to you. Would you come and pray as we sing this song?
Heavenly Father, we want you to know that we see every day, every hour, this challenge that is before us. And we think that we may have a plan, a way of escape, a healing, but we're not really sure. What we do know, though, is you are the God of gods and the King of kings. You are the Lord of the universe, the creator (laughs) who gives great value. You are the living water and the Lamb of God. You are the Savior of the world. You are our brother and our father. You go before us and you stand beside us and you protect us from behind. Father, we are so honored to lay our burdens before you, recognizing that we have failed in finding an answer for ourselves. But publicly this morning, we confess to you, as Naaman did, that we are desperate for you. And we will do whatever you asked. And we expect what your best is, not our own. And so, Father, we, your people, this morning are raising our hands open, wide open, inviting you to take out of our hands or put into our hands whatever you know to be best. And we ask these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Would you receive this benediction? Perhaps the challenge that God has placed in your path has been way too big. Around every corner, there has been another disappointment, another sleepless night, another mountain to climb. But may you learn what Elijah and Elisha did. That God loves you so much that he will prepare you for the challenge. He will walk with you through the challenge. And he will ensure that when you get to the end of the challenge, you will know that he always knew what the best ending should be. So now, my friends, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, go in peace. And while there are people praying in the front, would you please be dismissed quietly? Thank you.